Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. It says, Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls filled with the seven last plagues came to me, and he talked with me, saying, Come, and I will show you the bride, the Lamb's wife. And this is very interesting, because we know that we, the church, are the bride, the Lamb's wife. We are the the bride of Christ. But I find it interesting that this new Jerusalem that comes down from heaven is also called the bride. It's almost like the bride and the place where she dwells, because they're both so beautiful in God's sight, he really sees them as one. Hi everyone, and welcome to our Bible study on Truth in Christ Radio. Today we are introduced to the Lamb's Wife. The heavenly city, the New Jerusalem, is literal, but it is called the Bride, the Lamb's Wife, because it is a place where all God's people are gathered. In this sense, the New Jerusalem is certainly like the Bride, but this association doesn't diminish the reality behind the image. The city is associated with the bride to awe us with a sense of its beauty. Now let's join Pastor Rob as he continues our study. In verse 8, he says, But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the abominable, the murderers, the sexually immoral, the sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. We looked at this last week. We really don't need to go over this again. But notice again, the Lord reminds us what will not be present in this new heavens and new earth and in this new Jerusalem. These individuals will not be there because God has already dealt with them. We saw that at the end of chapter 20 in the great white throne judgment. They are cast. Unfortunately, they had they made the decision And God granted them their decision. They will be cast into the lake of fire forever and ever. And again, the the lake of fire was not created for people. It was created for the devil and his angels. We know that from Matthew, that... That they, this place, this place of uh, Gehenna, Jesus called this lake of fire, Gehenna, this final, ultimate place of uh, judgment for the wicked dead. They will spend an eternity separated from him. And this word Gehenna is, is translated as how Jesus used it often. And I would just give one example here. In Luke chapter 12, he, he said, I say to you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that have no more that they can do. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who after he has killed has power to cast into hell. And that word hell is Gehenna. And he's speaking of this place of eternal torment, the lake of fire. We talked about that last week. He says, I say to you, fear him. 
Fear him. In Jerusalem, uh, back in the time of the kings, there was a place right to the southeast of the Temple Mount called the Valley of the Son of Hinnom. And it was basically a place where the kings, Ahaz was one of them and others, they would sacrifice their young children to the god of Molech, this bull-like god who had his arms like this and it was heated up to fiery red. And they would lay their children in the arms of Molech and they would, they would burn to death. And they would do this as, a, as an act of worship to these false gods. This is the place where that occurred in the southeast side of the Temple Mount in the temple area down there underneath, under the corner of Mount Zion. And right now, today, there's a highway there, and it, even, it still doesn't look that great, honestly. But they used to burn trash and everything, and there would always be a fire going there at certain times. They'd burn trash, and they would sacrifice their children. Jesus called this place Gehenna because he's referring to that place where all these horrible atrocities occurred. And he says, ultimately, that's where the wicked will finally be sent is Gehenna, the lake of fire, the second death. But notice now in verse 9, we turn the page to something brighter. The sun comes out, so glad. It says, Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls filled with the seven last plagues came to me, and he talked with me, saying, Come, and I will show you the bride, the Lamb's wife. And this is very interesting, because we know that we, the church, are the bride the Lamb's wife. We are the, the bride of Christ. But I find it interesting that this new Jerusalem that comes down from heaven is also called the bride. It's almost like the bride and the place where she dwells, because they're both so beautiful in God's sight, he really sees them as one. He sees them as one. The, 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 the people who will inhabit that place will only be the redeemed. Only be the redeemed. And the place itself is going to be beautiful. We're going to see that. Well, we've already read it this morning. It's beyond description. Beyond description. And when God looks at you in, through the lens of Christ, he sees you that way too. Do you know that? So many of you have grown up and perhaps you had a family member, a mom or a dad, maybe a cousin, a grandmother, whoever it was that looked at you and maybe didn't treat you very well when you were young. Maybe they looked at you and said, you are worth nothing. Maybe they treated you poorly. Maybe they even abused you and you grew up all of your life thinking that you were worthless, that you were nothing, that you meant nothing. And I got to tell you today that God looks at you and he says, you're dynamite. You're out of sight. Because of the blood of my son, I don't see anything but holy perfection. (laughs) I don't know about you, but I am not worthy of that. But that's the reality. That's the truth. That's how great of a salvation that you have. Not only to save you from this lake of fire, which nobody wants to go to, which is the ultimate end of the wicked Nobody wants to go there. He saved you from that. And he's also saved you for to have a life right now of blessing. Do you want a life of blessing? Do you want to live your life even on this earth free, uh, have a, a clear conscience? You can. You're not perfect. You're not sinless. But you've got an advocate in heaven who's praying for you, and he's placed within you, if you're a child of God, the very spirit of God, giving you the desire to even resist sin. He doesn't want you to continue your life in fear and in agony and turmoil and torment, even as a Christian, because of the guilt that you feel over the things that you've done. Please, please, please hear me this morning. Give your heart to Christ. 
and especially those who know him already, give your heart back to him. Give every part of your life back to him. Live your life so that you can lay your head on the pillow at night and say, Amen. And God can say, well done, you did a good job today. And if you didn't do a good job that day, what do you do? Do you find your solace in the bottom of a bottle of Jim Beam? Do you smoke something illicit? Do you find that partner that you've been messing with? No, you confess your sin. Confess it to God. And what is the promise? That he will be faithful to forgive you and what? To cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And then you sleep like a baby. You can sleep like a baby. And it honors God when you do take him at his word. When you confess your sin, he says, I will forgive you and I will cleanse you. And you'll be able to sleep like an infant. And God says, I give my beloved sleep. Isn't that wonderful? There's nothing like that in the world. No pill can give you that. A clear conscience and a clear heart before God, there's nothing greater. It's wonderful. Live your life with no regrets. And you know what? Step out in faith. Step out in faith and, 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 and give it a shot, whatever it is you feel the Lord is putting on you. Don't be held back by your own fears and your apprehensions. Don't be held back by others' fears upon you. You break through it and say, you know what? I'm free. He who is the Son is set free is free indeed. Some of you are still in shackles. Some of you are still in shackles of fear. I'm afraid to do this because if I do, I'll lose this. You know what? You'll never know until you step out in faith. You better pray about it. But you know what? There comes a point when you've got to stop praying and you've got to start doing. I would encourage you to pray, but then do. Pray and then do. My grandfather used to say, you need to fish or cut bait. I like that. I either need to get about the business or I need to do something to help somebody else get about the business. But I want to be about the business because the, the true joy, the true secret is being obedient. There are blessings for obedience. And when we are obedient, oh, the blessings, the clear conscience in your heart, you feel a weight lifted. Do you have a weight on your shoulder this morning? Many of you do. Perhaps only some, I don't know. But he, he, he talks about this new Jerusalem being like a bride, just like the bride of Christ. And Jesus, remember, before he left and, 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 and went to that night of the Last Supper... What did he tell Peter and the disciples? He says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. But notice, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Remember that Jesus, while on the earth, he was a carpenter with his father. Well, his stepfather, I guess you could call it, right? Joseph, he was a carpenter. And where is he now? He's building a place for you. He's probably got it all done. He's going to reveal it. You're going to be amazed. 
And notice, he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. Notice that this holy city is to be contrasted with the other cities that we've seen. And the Bible has been called the the, the tale of two cities, Babylon and Jerusalem. Babylon being significant because it was the city of impurity from the very beginning in Genesis. It was the foundation of all impure things. It is the city of impurity, corruption, and sin. But yet Jerusalem, and especially the new Jerusalem, is the city of purity. It's the city of perfection and immortality. Tale of two cities. Which one do you want to belong to? The most, most of the world is already in Babylon. America is engulfed in Babylon. And the Lord says, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. And what are you going to do? Are you going to cling to Babylon like Lot did, like Lot's family? Some of his family members stayed behind in Sodom and Gomorrah, and God destroyed them. But Lot and his three daughters, two daughters, excuse me, (coughs) even his wife, as she's fleeing through the, the plain, she looks back on Sodom, and God turns her into a pillar of salt. It's not a story. That happened. Judgment, because it was easy to get them out of Babylon or get them out of Sodom and Gomorrah, but getting Sodom and Gomorrah out of them was a whole other matter that would take some time. And God's in it; He's in that. He wants to do that. He wants to deliver the world from us, out of us. He wants to deliver us continually, and one day we will be with Him in the New Jerusalem. And notice that this. Heavenly Jerusalem, that verse 11, it had the glory of God and her light was like the most precious stone, like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. We can't even imagine what this might, might have looked like. And notice that she had a great and high wall with 12 gates and the 12 gates, or the, and 12 angels, excuse me, at the gates, names written on them, which are the names of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel. Three gates on the east, three gates on the north, three gates on the south, and three gates on the west. And we don't have time to go there, but I would encourage you to read and maybe write down these couple of scriptures here. Because in the millennial reign, uh, Ezekiel chapters 40 through 47, roughly, they outline for us this millennium, millennial temple that Jesus is going to have. And it mentions these gates. There's going to be three gates on each side, north, south, east, and west. And then in Numbers 2, remember when Israel came out of Egypt and they encamped in the desert, and as they were moving the the Ark of the Covenant and the tabernacle, (coughs) excuse me, would be in the center and the children of Israel would encamp around that tabernacle in like manner. There'd be three tribes on this side, three tribes on that side, three tribes, three tribes. The picture, the consistency is throughout the whole Bible. And even when we get into this, New Jerusalem, the order is still there. For God is a God of order. He's not a God of chaos. Do you believe in evolution? Have you been taught evolution? Evolution is chaos. Something exploded, we don't know what happened. And out of that came order. I'm sorry, that just doesn't happen. When the army blows up something over, you know, when when they go on their things and they blow up something, it goes in pieces. And it tarnishes and rusts and eventually the sands cover it. <laughs> it doesn't come out a, a, a new um, you know, Cadillac, shiny and p- brightly polished. 
Do you understand that goes against nature, the very laws of nature? You have to have more faith to believe in evolution than you have to have faith to believe in God. It's nonsense, folks. Nonsense. Evolution is nonsense. I believe in a God who creates. And no, you didn't evolve from apes. Why are apes still with us? Why are all these things still with us? And nobody can figure that out. They're still scratching their head. Well, it's because they rejected God. If you reject God, then you've got to come up with your own new set of rules. And that's what the scientists and the fancy pants over at the, uh, in the, in the different um, colleges and universities, these guys who are much smarter than I am, and that's okay because I'll be dumb and be a lover of God. They can be smart and whatever. But it will be very similar as the millennial temple and the tabernacle. Notice in verse 14, now the wall of the city had 12 foundations. Think of that, guys. When you build a house, you put several rows of, of, of masonry block down underneath, you know, probably six feet at least underneath the ground. And then you build your, your, you put on your trusses and you put on your floors and your house and you start building that. But this new Jerusalem had 12 foundations and on them were the names of the 12 apostles. Probably not Judas, but I imagine Paul was substituted in Judas's name. It's interesting what Paul says in 1 Corinthians. He says, According to the grace of God which was given to me, as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. Jesus Christ is going to be the foundation of, he is right now, but he will be then. He'll be the foundation. I love that because then the, the very, uh, the apostles, the foundation of what they held to, is going to be the foundation of it. And even the gates are going to have the names of the 12 tribes of Israel because it's through them. It was, as you, we would go through those gates, we will remember how indebted we are to the Jews who brought forth these scriptures to us. And it'll all be wrapped up in a nice little bow. Notice verse 15, and he who talked with me had a gold reed and he measured the city and its gates and its walls. And the city is laid out as a square. Its length is as great as the breadth. Now I want you to picture this. The length is as great as its breadth. And he measured the city within with the reed that he had in his hand. And it was 12,000 furlongs. Notice its length, breadth, and height are equal. Now a furlong, and let's just go through a, a little math lesson here. A furlong is equal to, uh, if you look this word up in the original language, it literally says stadia, which is a Greek term, which basically is 600 feet approximately. 600 feet. So 12,000 furlongs would be roughly, if you do the math, 1,363 miles in length and in width and in height. Think of how crazy that sounds. It's a cube. It's a cube. Some have said that it could look something like this. Now, this looks a little ridiculous, But one thing that we don't know is whether that new earth that we're going to be getting, how big that new earth is going to be. Because this old earth, evidently, is going to be gone. And New Jerusalem is likened to this cube. And notice that it covers most of the United States. 
and a, good, a great chunk of Canada as well. Roughly 1,400, 1,500 miles in length, in breadth, and in height. That's how big this place is. 1,400 miles straight in the air. This foundation, these walls. I love what uh, Henry Morris said this. He, he did some math on this, and he concluded that given the estimated population of, and he, again, he's guesstimating here, and, and you'll, you'll see this, possibly 20 billion residents uh, in, 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 in heaven, perhaps, and, and, and this is a very broad estimate, that each person would enjoy a block of space of approximately one cubic mile, or its length, breadth, and height would be a little over a third of a mile in each direction. And that's with 20 billion people, with something that size. Because remember, it's not even just the length and the breadth, but it goes up. Think of the, the, the different levels that you could have that God has made. He's going to make, or is made already. There's going to be plenty of room for the redeemed. Plenty of room. Kind of puts it in perspective, doesn't it? And notice in verse 17, And then he measured its wall, 144 cubits, according to the measure of a man, that is, of the angel. So the height of the wall seems to have already been established, as we've seen in the previous verse, in verse 16, but it seems that this measurement might be the thickness of the wall rather than the height of the wall. I mean, to me it makes sense because if we look at um, this wall when it says uh, 144 cubits, we know that a cubit is about 18 inches. 144 of them is 2,592 inches. Divide that by 12 and you got 216 feet. Maybe, you know, but I want to take the scripture's word for it. The walls, it says, the length and the breadth and the height of it are 14, 1,400 miles. And I'm thinking that maybe, possibly, that the width, maybe, of this wall is 216 feet thick. And there's not going to be a lot of wind there because there's going to be no more sea. So I think uh, something going up that high with 216 in width going up 1,400 miles with no wind because there's going to be, the atmosphere is going to be completely different. And I think God can build a pretty sturdy wall. I don't think he's getting his materials from China. <laughs> All of his materials are perfect. He could build a foundation on the edge of a paper, edge of a thinness of a paper, and it would be just fine. He would just say, be strong. And guess what? It would obey him. <laughs> But the construction of the wall was jasper, and the city was pure gold, notice, like clear glass. Jasper is clear as crystal. Think of that. And the foundation of the wall of the city were adorned with all kinds of precious stones. The first foundation, now picture this in your mind, the first foundation is jasper. The second, and jasper is like a clear crystal. And then... Uh, the second, a sapphire, which is hard like a diamond, but blue in color. And the third, the chalcedony, it's a sky blue with stripes of other colors in it. The fourth foundation is the emerald, the bright green. And the fifth, the sardonyx, is red and white. And the, the sixth, the sardius stone, which is reddish in color. The seventh, chrysolite, transparent and golden in color. The eighth barrel, a sea green in color. The ninth, topaz, a transparent yellow green. The tenth, a chrysoprase, however you pronounce that. A shade of green different from that of the emerald. 
and the eleventh jacinth, violet, and the twelfth amethyst, purple. You remember in the Old Testament that the high priest, he had a breastplate on, and in that plate were twelve stones, one for each of the twelve tribes of Israel. Notice the foundations are going to have the names of the apostles. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our journey through the book of Revelation. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.